This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. My name is Andrew Graham and I'm joined today with East Lansing Info's Emily Joan Elliott. Emily, how are you doing on this rainy Wednesday morning? Good. Glad I have that second cup of coffee. <laughs> it's it's warming up a little bit these days, so at least it's not cold, cold and, rainy. and rainy. It's sort of mid-temperature and rainy. And I'm going to make a horrible weather analogy to get us into our topic, but hopefully it is not as rainy and cruddy out when the Albert Alfresco opens up. Um, that's what we're going to be discussing today, specifically how it's coming back at the beginning of May, the city announced today, and how it's going to be different, how it's going to be the same, any number of things. So the first point I guess I want to get into is the city announced today that the Alfresco will be opening on Tuesday, May 10th, or the, tra- excuse me, traffic will close on Tuesday, May 10th for it to open on the 12th which is a Thursday where there'll be a grand opening. I believe the provisional approval for the road closure began. It could have begun April 27th. Yeah, I knew it was late April. Yeah, and that had sort of been the original, here's where we're hoping to do a grand opening. I would assume this kind of two-week push is due to, there was, they got right up against it with getting some infrastructure, which we'll get into later on. But I know one of the ideas of starting it a little earlier was doing it when there were more students around to kind of, test that feel and get that idea and sort of show them and have them, you know, what's this going to be like with a lot of students here and how can students use it and deal with it and what problems might exist? Because I know last year there, I don't think was necessary. Well, there was a set end date and then Alfresco got extended, but it did end before the students came back because of concerns about crowds. And so I, if I'm not mistaken, it started, it was supposed to go about a month or so. Yeah. Then they extended it through mid to late August and decided to end it on August 15th. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the 2021. 15th. And the general reason was it was kind of causing this extra police staffing strain. And just there were there were a number of issues. Namely, there would be people out there at night and then a bunch of drug people would get out from the bars at let out and... You just have these two different crowds of people late at night and problems were arising, i.e. fights, and I think somebody did get shot once. So there was a certain element of needing to get on top of whatever public safety problems were created, and they didn't want to add students into that. So it ended before students came back for the fall semester in 2021. And now they're kind of getting right on the edge of, I don't know when MSU's spring semester ends, but I would assume the first week of May is... Around I, when it ends, that's when... Graduation, I think, is Friday, May 6th, and Saturday, oh. May 7th, so it'll open I would guess ostensibly this, when they've left. I would, yeah, I would, I would get, and I would guess the semester, probably then the last week of courses would be the last week of April, and then finals Fine. week yep. is that week. So that's not to say there won't be students here. There are plenty of students who stay for some weeks after graduation and students taking summer courses, but... By virtue of the delays, which, again, we'll get into a little later on about what caused this to get pushed back a bit, one of the sort of ideas of starting it sooner has kind of been 
nullified isn't the right word, but it's kind of the idea of opening it up with students here has kind of gone by the wayside for any number of reasons. Right. And I know the decision to end it because of fears about adding an extra, say, 50,000 people into the mix. The community seemed frustrated because they had loved Albert Alfresco so much and didn't want to see it go. So now we'll be back to square one, I guess, yeah. kind of in late summer. Well, and it was that the disparate realities of someone who was married couple, middle-aged, couple of ki kids in like middle school, grade school, whatever, and you go down there, get dinner, sit out, play some games, wander around, check out a store. Your experience of it is going to be very different than the like police officers who are having to break up a fight there at 1.30 in the morning. So I think it's also this, there are sort of these two disparate or sort of separate realities of like the Albert Alfresco yes. during the day. And then to give a little SpongeBob reference, the Albert Alfresco at night. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's different. And it just, it, that is a reality that has been conveyed. I can't say I have been one getting out of bars at 2 a.m. or hanging out the Alfresco at 2 a.m., but that is what has been relayed to the community. And it is kind of this disparate, like the Albert Alfresco from 9 a.m. through 8 p.m. is this great family friendly, everyone loves to be there, wander around, see, oh, hey, you know, your neighbor's there, whatever. And the Albert Alfresco from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. is just a place where, like, drunk people are congregating and fights are happening, and that's not something you necessarily want in your downtown. So getting a hold on that is sort of the unspoken challenge, I would say, of this El Fresco. The more obvious one is kind of improving the the actual streetscape function for right. the sake of there are, there were a number of vendors downtown that we know last year with the way it was set up and just the, because of the two prior years, Albert Avenue had been disrupted because of construction, and they were really looking forward to it being just open for a summer, and then, of course, the city came and closed it for that. And their their issue with it wasn't so much the idea of placemaking downtown or even creating these spaces, but, you know, Ali Heider, who runs the 7-Eleven, for example, you know, he relies on car traffic to come right. downtown, and as Alice and I were discussing on the pod last week, the benefits of having sort of that slow moving car traffic and albert avenue is kind of perfectly created for this with the stops and that's 25 as you sort of crawl through that space and you see oh there's sundance gal you know right jeweler, and, oh oh that korean place looks interesting or we should try that you know whereas if you just zip down grand river or you know with the alfresco then people don't drive through they park or drive around or like some people might not come so i think the other balance, along with trying to figure out what's going on in terms of public safety, and I hesitate to, like, public safety because a bunch of other people from East Lansing aren't all there, but it's public safety in that people in the public are not being safe. Um, sort of just a very literal idea of it. And that's kind of the obvious thing that needs to get fixed that is up to the city to just handle, and the other side of it is kind of balancing this really popular amenity that I think most people agree is a generally good thing and an enjoyable thing with doing it in a way that's really actually equitable for business owners downtown and that actually, in a measurable way, benefits everybody. Right. I know 
I think at various council meetings as well or communications to council people have voiced, can we do this in other areas of town or extend it? Because it could ostensibly feel like a favored few restaurants and businesses on that stretch of yeah. Albert are getting perhaps preferential treatment. And and to be fair, if you're downtown, you're downtown and the city's going to want to make the downtown be a hopping place. So, you know, that is favoritism for better or worse, but it's also the sort of free market capitalism. Well, you paid for that real estate downtown and you run your business. So whatever perks you get, you're paying, you know, it's neither here nor there in terms of this discussion, but I think you're right of there's, there's an, there's an idea of like, how can we make sure this is a thing that's not just a good idea that happened and we kind of keep doing it. And it helps these three businesses that it's right in front of being Foster's Coffee, Barrio and Jolly Pumpkin, which people like, I don't know. It's no, no issue with that, but if you're going to keep setting up your open air outdoor tables right out of the same three restaurants every year, I can understand how some other nearby restaurants might get a little miffed over time. Right. And as far as this year to sort of solve those problems, and this is how we can start to get into some of the more specifics about what's going to be new this year. And one of the very specific problems last year with the traffic and the closing of three lanes of Albert was the issue of truck deliveries and basically using the alleys and they just kind of didn't have a lot of places to go to get to certain businesses because of the way the alfresco was. And I don't know, I, I wasn't out there when it happened, but I can imagine sort of sitting at a picnic table and then suddenly a truck is kind of like backing into an alley six right. feet away from you would be a little bit of like an uncomfortable, unpleasant outdoor mm, diesel work, fumes. Work de- yeah, work. <laughs> relax, you know, dining kind of experience. So one thing they're changing, and I don't, I have not seen the final sort of site plan layout, but part of Albert accessible from Grove Street will kind of remain open, kind of like that T shape almost. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is there to facilitate trucks being able to access things via Grove and like make a turn, um, a couple other things. So there, there is a better eye towards vehicle accessibility for like deliveries to businesses because that was kind of the big specific gripe that a lot of vendors had was it made it a lot more difficult to get their deliveries of whatever it is they sell and if you can't get what you sell delivered you don't have a very effective store (laughs) Um, you just don't and so it's it's that balance or that that issue does seem to have been paid attention to and I I, I have no clue if that little cutout from Grove to Albert and sort of the plan they have for trucks will work better. I But they've thought about but it. There's at least been effort and a real, like, it, it does seem there's some level of problem solving and sort of consideration of the various stakeholders in this whole thing. And that's been good to see because I think there's a lot of times where they could have just plowed ahead with the previous plan, but it is good that the El Fresco, I think, is it's evolving to fit the needs as they go forward because last year it was, COVID's here. We don't have anything going on. We need to try and sort of get the businesses popping. I think it was kind of an as we go. Like we had the city had some picnic tables. It was very much on the fly last year. And then it was like, okay, this is a success. Let's get some hammocks up in here was kind of my impression. And then then this whole time is uh, this is the sort of first year where it's this really thoroughly planned out project Mm. from like we have an idea like. We're getting into it to do this. It's going to run until then. We have X to do it and not sort of 
well, we could turn Albert into seating. Oh, this is nice, which was kind of what happened last year. And so I, I, I am curious to see sort of the, what the 2.0 version not only looks like differently, but in terms of the feel. And I'm almost wondering if, if it, if it's something that's good enough or popular enough, is there ever a consideration where East Lansing thinks about, you know, turning Albert entirely into this like pedestrian or a chunk of it into this sort of pedestrian walkway car free area. I would posit that it would actually make sense to do it between MAC and Bailey. Mm -hmm. But whatever, I think there's a real, I would be curious to see if there's an, as a, there's a move for that because I know Ann street Plaza was sort of designed with the no curb to easy walk down and that sort of Voonerf idea, right. the European design. And so, it's a little bit already set up for it, and I would be curious to see if going in the – this is sort of a, a five-year thing – if there is a desire to kind of de-car downtown and create more pedestrian streetscape, kind of cobbled street planters thing that I'm imagining. And there's any number of ways it could go, but it, it just – it's if it's – if you keep closing down a street downtown for pedestrians and it's really, really popular, is that – Maybe that's telling you you don't need that street downtown at a certain point. Yeah, I would be curious. Um, I know a bunch of downtown merchants are hearing this and want to, like, pummel me. So I, yeah. I do recognize that there's that's the other side of it. I There would also have to perhaps... It's one thing to make it pedestrian, but keeping people downtown in Michigan would also require additional infrastructure yes. for them to do it. And I... When I grew up in New York City, they did something similar with Times Square and... People were pretty upset because traffic's already terrible enough. But then it just became part of life. So, so. I thought every New York, every actual New Yorker just avoided Times Square is really what happens. Right. And they're like, <laughs> you're putting chairs out for tourists and now yeah. I can't drive down. Yeah, exactly. but, um, but related to infrastructure, my understanding is some not insignificant purchases have been made for the El Fresco. Correct. So we have reported for Eli. Um, you can check it out on eastlansinginfo.news about the – they approved the – they being the Downtown Development Authority who is kind of in charge – they're the sort of voting body in charge of this stuff. They had approved something like $147,000 for placemaking and the El Fresco in, in essence. And about 80000 of it was set aside for various – placemaking infrastructure and mostly seating shade that kind of stuff and things that could be reused things that will be state not state not sustainable that's the word i'm looking mm -hmm. for things that you can use for years and years and you know yeah they might bust but you can buy one of the new ones and things that aren't going to be stolen and just very sturdy reusable long-term placemaking outdoor infrastructure um so there was about eighty thousand dollars set aside for that they ended up I believe the DDA ended up approving about $95,000 for expenses because they got two responses to the RFP, one to provide sort of seating, just general outdoor furniture, and the other one is to provide planter boxes. I, I want to get the exact phrasing of modular multifunctional planter boxes. So I think the idea here is that they're not just these big planters that just have plants in them, but they'll have plants that provide shade. There might be mm -hmm. seating around the edges of them, various things like that. So it's 
it says planter boxes, but I think it's more of imagining incorporating plants into like functional outdoor design. Right, for like seating and stuff like that and shade's the real problem there yeah with the way the buildings are i remember one time i met friends for like brunch down there we went to the crate place and bought it and sat down outside the sun was a lot and then if you go in the afternoon it's shady yeah because it's well and it just it is it kind of and the other problem too is so it kind of bakes you like an oven down in there a little bit because you've got the tall buildings and right kind of heat dispersion doesn't work as well and because of the way the design works now, you kind of created a wind tunnel down Albert mm-hmm. a little bit. So anything to create shade is inherently something that's wide and flat and usually pretty light. And that's a wing. <laughs> they had those shade canopies. Yeah, and those, and some of them blew away. Yeah. Some bad storms. And I, because this was kind of not. It was more on the fly last year. My understanding from Aaron Stevens, the former mayor talking at council, was it sounded like a bunch of interns and he and a few TBW workers had to go and just kind of batten down the hatches. I, I, I understand. Yeah, there was another time in 2021 where they had, they being the city, recently purchased just a couple thousand dollars worth of like outdoor shade umbrellas and same deal. They put them up next day like really huge sort of gusty winds and like they're running out to go save them and as it's happening they're like watching them like get ruined and blown away and it's like that's the challenge i mean you can't there's nothing that provides shade that isn't gonna be liable to be blown away that's also modular outdoor reusable (laughs) place making infrastructure like you could build a permanent shade structure over albert avenue but then you have a permanent shade structure over Albert right. Avenue that why? So it is it is a kind of tricky challenge in terms of, you know, when you're trying to provide outdoor shade to the Albert Alfresco, you've got to consider the Bernoulli effect and <laughs> like not have your shade literally fly off. And that's not easy inherently. And you can't, you know, the the common logic would be to like bolt it down, but you can't just be drilling holes and placing heavy-duty fasteners into the roadway just because you want to. I'm pretty sure MDOT and other DPW folks would not be super happy about that. So it's a challenge, and it's not one that I can readily solve, and I'm kind of curious to see. I haven't had a chance to really dig into what exactly is being built for the DDA, but I'm curious to see sort of how they tackle these problems. Because they are kind of, I mean, they're a little fascinating to me of like, how do you figure out how to have all this stuff and make it last? And the sort of unspoken thing here is when you have a bunch of drunk people leaving bars and meandering around this infrastructure, some of it gets broken or stolen right. or whatnot. And so that's also, you know, my my guess is that most of the stuff coming in now is going to be rather heavy. I think there were issues with some of the chairs last year. I know then they wound up chaining them together because maybe you could walk off with one Adirondack chair, but you weren't really going to walk off with three. train of four of them or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just been the biggest thing is, you know, not making this a recurring expense, too, overall. is that That was kind of a big discussion with the DDA is... We think it makes sense to invest in this, but we want to make sure we're investing in it now for 
five years worth or 10 years worth or, you know, certain infrastructure has different shelf lives and things break. Right. But, but, you know, one of the clear messages I have sort of seen expressed from the DDA throughout the process of getting this stuff put together is they're cool to invest in this, but they want it to be sort of a real investment that's long term and they're not coming back next year needing to pay $65,000 for some more stuff. Launch hairs that blew away or, or something. That broke right. Or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, if there's, you know, they come back next year and it's like, we have figured out the solution to the shade. It's this and it costs $8,000. We're going to use it going forward. Like, I could see that being approved, but I just don't think there's an appetite going forward for like spending $100,000 on more placemaking stuff. Right. Like this. Um, and that's just the reality. Because a lot of it came about too from, needing to sort of get things going downtown and bringing people out during COVID when they were otherwise staying home and you know, no wood around me to knock on, but, you know, knock on wood, we're sort of mostly past sort of that, that impact of COVID and the how do we keep our local economy from sort of unraveling stage of COVID. So the, the impetus for it is very much different. And it's not mm. this, we need to do this to make sure our downtown Doesn't wither has, away. <laughs> has, you know, vibrancy, has people, has commerce. Um, right. And so there's not that impetus anymore. You know, MSU students are back in person. People, I, you know, I've been downtown a lot fairly recently and it feels like it did always. And the before yeah, times. Yeah, the before right. times. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, you don't, I guess the, the, there's no pressing external need to do this. So the reason to do it now is because it's popular and it's a thing that's kind of good and people want. But then that's also the tenuous of like, you can't kind of be cruddy with it and yeah, so half measures and whatnot. I know there were also, we talked about the planter boxes and the hope that they'll also provide shade, but what other purchases have been made try, for this You're trying around? to get me to mention the ping pong table, aren't you? You knew it. You're trying you to get it. me to mention the ping pong table. So I am actually, I've heard, I've heard from a handful of people who were like, what, like, why that ping pong table? And I am no expert and I, I can't claim I, I am, I know the standard MSRP for ping pong tables, but my understanding is that they wanted something that would be like, you know, outdoor games and fun. That's a little more than like cornhole and connect for ladders. Had. Like, yeah, I think they, they might get one of those big like foam mat chess set kind of things, which is like oh. kind of fun. Yeah. I like those, but the idea is this is something that is, I mean, I looked it up. It's like $5,500, but this thing is sturdy. <laughs> Uh, and no one's going to walk off no, with the ping pong I mean, table. I, 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 I'll put it this way. The only way that ping pong table is getting purloined is if a, a literal whole fraternity's worth of people came and, like, tried to pick it up and carry it away. Um, so I just don't, like, I think, like, they, they might have overpaid for a ping pong table in an absolute sense. <laughs> But there was a rationale. But there's a very there. clear rationale, and you know, if the city has a decent outdoor ping pong table that it uses in for the next fifteen years, you've paid three hundred dollars or no, like yeah, I don't even know what it is off the top of my head, but like not much a year for a ping pong table outdoors. Um, so I guess it more amused me than anything else. But I did get a couple texts from some people being like, 
what? Like, why? And it's like, I don't know. I want to give people the chance to play ping pong. I, just, doesn't, I don't care, really. Like, go play ping pong. My, my suggestion to everybody was said about it was like, well, go get really good at table tennis. Right. <laughs> they're, bu- they're buying it, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's one of those things, too, where they're doing something that I'll, I can imagine a lot of people go, why are they doing that? They need to do X. They need, you know, the whole sewer thing from last year. Sewers are still probably going to be an issue. You know, there's all sorts of things. But I think it gets back to the city can still be dealing with very serious problems while also trying to, like, make the nice things nicer. Right. And this is where it really gets to, like, it. this is this has moved beyond this, like, economic problem-solving thing and into this realm of we're trying to make our downtown nicer. And it, it is through the idea of benefiting the economy, but at this point, it's really about this thing we did that we like, that people like, that we want to keep doing because we like it, and it's nice. And that's cool. Like, right. I don't know, I'm just like, my <laughs> ultimate thing is like, you don't have to love how they're doing it, and I, there are plenty of fair criticisms of the Albert Alfresco in the process, and there are plenty of fair compliments, but I guess that's my thing. I was like, oh, this is cooler than not doing it is kind of my ultimate take, and that the the lessons we learn will be beneficial in other areas of the city and other, you know, future placemaking, you know, what what's learned from the El Fresco might lead to improvements going forward in whatever happens in Valley Court or what gets right. put in there or what maybe they do finally move it to another part of the city or come up with some other thing for another part of the city that would be better suited. I don't right. I can't say off the top of my head and this is why there's an economic development staff in the city and whatnot and I just think it's it's more ripe for opportunity than it is for problems, generally. I would agree. I think now the city has an idea for future development. And something that happened last year on the Alfresco also was they had things like yoga classes. They also hosted events down there. Yeah, and I that's going to be happening this year. Yeah, too. and, you know, if they're going to develop Valley Court Park, maybe you keep an open green space so people could do yoga on Saturday mornings. Oh, and yeah, no, I think that's the that's the kind of... Who are you serving and how, too? Because I think that's the other nice thing is for as much as downtown is kind of all the bars and the young people, it's like if you put in a yoga class on a Sunday morning, you will get plenty of non-college students mm-hmm. in your downtown. So it's a very it's a very tactful way to provide sort of a space and opportunity and all sorts of things for any number of people to right. be sort of welcomed downtown. Um, the last thing I do want to touch on, because this is kind of a very nitty gritty but small point about this, is alcohol use is still not permitted. And that kind of I it didn't surprise me, but I know that was kind of a a bigger thing. And I think that's an interesting point to watch going forward because you're still allowed to because Barrio and Jolly Pumpkin have. They're allowed some tables on their sidewalk and outdoors, I believe. And you could ha- order a beer while yeah, you're there. Yeah, because you're technically within their premises or whatever. So, but if you were to go like into the street in the Alfresco, you could suddenly be popped for open container, which probably wouldn't. You'd probably just tell you to throw it away. But the the point being is that's something that did get asked about this year, and I know there was there was some push for like, well, what about if we did sort of there was select like, hey, this Tuesday night, there's going to be you know sort of a a wine night kind of whatever and sort of you can similarly tailor these events of like I would hope a you know wine night downtown East Lansing would not just be full of college students um that would be kind of amusing to me though but 
I think that's one final sort of interesting point to look at going forward and one that I would think a lot of the the restaurateurs would be interested in because you can make a yeah. lot you can make a lot of money if you can kind of get that expanded and allow some sort of open air alcohol consumption down I there. I could see how it would benefit the businesses because I remember one I night. I can also see why certain people don't want it to happen yes. too. I get, I very much get both sides of that argument. I remember we wanted to go to Jolly Pumpkin. There was a wait, so we didn't go, but maybe we would have just walked in, grabbed a beer and sat outside. Right. But, and this has been done in parts of Lansing. There's, I think they're called, I'm thinking social corridors. They have a snazzier term. Red but light district. Yeah. <laughs> You can, there's like a block or two where you can walk around with an open container. But I think this brings us full circle to the beginning with the public safety concerns too. Yeah. And that's kind of where the, the caution has aired. So I get that. We're kind of out of time here. This has been another fruitful discussion, I feel like, and another interesting one. And I think the Albert El Fresco is something that we will continue to pay attention to and something that will be hopefully similarly popular this year amongst residents and something that gets used because it would be kind of sad if it was just a bunch of chairs downtown that are empty so i know i'll be there at least at least go sit there everybody if nothing else (laughs) this has been another episode of the east lansing insider emily thank you for joining me Uh, on behalf of east lansing info and impact 89 fm my name is andrew graham and thank you for listening East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.